Hi, folks, this is Rico, and this is another episode of Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. This is show 810. It is March 7th, 2021. Yes, almost one year of COVID, at least here in the U.S., longer in some places, shorter in some places. But I think we're getting better, hopefully, I think. Get the vaccine. Wear your masks still. All right, that's my public PSA for today. It's going to be a fun show, though. I'm looking forward to doing this one. Uh, the topic is going to be Wonder Woman. I thought I, I've talked about Wonder Woman, obviously, multiple times o over the podcast's history, but I wanted to do sort of a show to um, give you a little bit of a history lesson slightly. Also talk about, mostly talk about her appearances in in media like tv movies obviously and so forth uh that um some things you probably know about some things you might not know as much about but um it should be fun uh, i was sort of inspired by this the, my friends over at anomaly jen and angela did a show i don't know when it was a few years ago was it when the first wonder woman wonder woman movie came out i'll, I'll figure out what episode it was and direct you over there but they did a great job going over the history of Wonder Woman in comics and in, in just in general. So uh, I'll do that a little, but I'm kind of kind of my focus is going to be more about, you know, her history and entertainment uh, outside of the comic world. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about her origin slightly, but um, uh, that is going to be the topic, the main topic for today. We've also got a music segment from Vartok and other things to discuss, I think. I'm going to open the show with some just opening things I usually talk about, and, and then uh, we'll get into uh, other stuff. So uh, sit back, relax, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. All right, I am back, everyone. Hope you are all doing well, staying safe, healthy. Well, and and did I, I said well twice already in like a ten seconds. <laughs> totally uh, off subject and not exactly a, a geeky topic, but I, it's fresh in my mind. I watched that. I finally watched that Netflix movie last night called Enola Holmes. Um, it it was pretty cute. It was pretty good. Um, what, what's her name? Yeah, uh, with uh, Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> which I don't know. I had trouble saying that the um, she's obviously best known for uh, stranger things. Uh, that's, you know, she plays 11 in that show, which has got another season coming. I think we're going to get it later this year. Uh, the um, she's Enola Holmes, but it was a cute movie. I really uh, thought it was pretty good. I don't know if they're going to do another one, uh, but I enjoyed it. I finally watched it. Uh, it when it first came out a few months ago, I think now, I, I was like, yeah, that looks fun. Henry, Henry Cavill's in it. Um, it's uh, it's just, yeah, it's a fun little movie, nothing too heavy. And uh, that's what I felt like watching last night anyway. You know, it was a Saturday night movie night kind of a thing. Um, so that was, um, 
that was the movie of du jour, as they say. <laughs> uh, what's going on? What else is going on right now? And I won't talk too much because I'm going to do that music segment from, from can't talk from Vartok uh, here before I get into the Wonder Woman discussion. Uh, that's I think his segments are around ten minutes. The um, but um, but yeah, hey, also got to make sure that I mentioned thanks to Mark for doing that show last week. Uh, his top 10 list movie sci-fi films of the 80s. Really cool always to have another Mark a podcast. He does a great job. He has, uh, I'm always envious. I feel like he has a great, a great voice for doing podcasts or radio or any kind of vocal work. Uh, easy to listen to and, and, and just uh, really appreciate that, Mark. Also want to thank the Patreons. Uh, it's just started a new month. It's March. By the way, we're also going to do, I need to post this up on Patreon, but we're going to do a Patreon show next weekend, um, a group cast. Just talk about what everybody's been up to, what they're enjoying out there in the world of, uh, you know, sci-fi stuff, uh, catch up with people, but that'll be next weekend. If you want to go to our Patreon, if, uh, excuse me, if you want to support the show, that's at patreon.com uh, forward slash Trex and Sci-Fi, and thanks to everyone who does that each month. This is a big month now that we're in March. We've got uh, we've got the big Snyder cut, four hours. I guess this movie coming out on March the 18th, which isn't that far off now. We're into the second week of March this week, so uh, when we get to Thursday this coming week, it'll only be a week away, which seems like they've been talking about a long time. Now I've had I've had up and down mixed feelings about this uh, this movie coming or whatever. Now. I'm one of the people, actually, I kind of enjoy Justice League. I, I thought there was a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, I think the cast is really solid. Uh, the the storyline, hmm. I for me, the biggest drawback on, on, on and maybe this is going to be a key point of how they're going to improve with the Snyder Cut, I didn't care for the villain a lot, much. In, I thought he was a little bit two-dimensional in, in the you know original release Justice League film. I thought it was a little just, oh, here's a bad guy in a weird suit of armor, you know, and, and just, he, he, you know, when you, when you compare him up w what they did with Thanos, and I know they spent a few movies with Thanos, so it, it's, and, and obviously a lot of build up to that, the, it just, it just wasn't, I don't think, you know, when you think about the Justice League power level and what they're capable of and all those things, and they had a lot to do, you know, this isn't really a spoiler, but, you know, they get Superman back and all that. I mean, it's a multi-year old spoiler, um, but um, the it just it just had, you know, it was a bit, the movie was just kind of, it was okay. It was cool to see those characters all come together finally. So with this new one, I kind of am a little bit concerned that it's like, have we gone so far the other direction? I mean, four hours, really? I mean, uh, you know, I'm actually kind of surprised, maybe not completely surprised, but kind of surprised they didn't just release it in two parts, maybe something like that, you know, put one part out now, maybe one part in a couple more months, you know, HBO Max would be able to like squeeze their subscribers a little bit more. Maybe they didn't really want to do that. Maybe, you know, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, maybe uh, Zack Snyder, maybe he um, almost said Jack Snyder. I don't know why. Uh, maybe Zack Snyder was insistent on, no, this is going to be released as a, as a single, you know, single thing. Plus, when you think about it, I mean, most people are probably going to be watching this at home, right? I think it is going to be in theaters, I think, right? I think or maybe not. Is it? 
Is it going to be in theaters? I got to check on that. I think it is. But it's a four, being a four hour movie. Uh, it's going to be a little bit easier to watch this at home, you know, than that length of a movie in the theater, right? Unless they do an intermission. I remember an old movie. This will date me, um, but it's the probably the longest movie I've ever seen in a in a theater. I think there was an old movie with Warren Beatty called Reds. Um, I think it was pushed pushed four hours. I don't think it was quite four hours. It might have been like three and a half or three and four, three hours, 45, maybe something. You can look it all up. But um, that movie uh, was one of the rare movies I remember them having an actual intermission during the movie at the movies at a regular movie theater. They actually had a brief break. I think it was five or ten minutes, maybe something like that. So. um so, yeah, so if you saw this in the theater, four hours, wow. I mean, that's that's a long time. I mean, I know when they've done these marathons of, of uh, the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies, obviously you have breaks, uh, slight breaks. I don't know how long the breaks are typically between movies. They're probably not that long, five or ten minutes maybe. You can go to the bathroom, that kind of thing, get a, get something to eat or drink if you want. <clears throat> but, um, but, yeah, I, you obviously at home can just pause the movie, go – Go to the bathroom, go go get a, you know, something to beer, or whatever you're doing, popcorn, whatever. But but yeah, uh, I am looking forward to it. I just have a feeling, is it going to go too far the other way of like, oh my gosh, really? We Are we putting everything in here? Oh, look, it's Alfred going to the grocery store. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, that's a joke. I don't think that's going to happen. But I am, I am more on the side now of really looking forward to it. I am looking forward to fleshing things out. I mean... The hard thing when they do comic book films has always been, and this is why Marvel, I think, has done very well. And I'm not sure if I've really brought this point up before, but I'm a big comic. I I've certainly have mentioned I'm a big comic book reader. You guys know that. But comics are dense. Comics are long stories a lot of times that take a lot of time to develop. The characters take a long time to develop. So it's extremely hard to put all of that into like a single movie really, really hard. And this is why Marvel has done the wise thing of building this sort of universe out of and still being able to craft uh, a standalone kind of movie. I mean, the movies interconnected with each other, but they are mostly to introduce the characters, some other ancillary characters, certain um, aspects, give people, you know, bring them up to speed on some of these things and then bring them together in, in movies like Avengers uh, where they all work, you know, sometimes together, sometimes not together, but where DC has had a hard time, you know, with that. I mean, they've had, you know, what they've, they keep trying to sort of get this going right to, uh, and now there's this talk out there. They're going to do another Superman movie, you know, with maybe somebody else playing Superman or some version of Superman. I, I, I'm just really guys really, you want to dilute the whole thing even more. I mean, I think we all enjoy Henry Cavill as Superman for the most part. Uh, you know, just give the guy a good story, a good script. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, it's like these Joker things they've done and there's supposedly another Joker movie with, with, uh, Mary, maybe with Jared Leto. I think, I don't know if that's still on or not. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be in this new suicide squad movie more, but you know, they did that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which was sort of a standalone side kind of version of him, which, you know, frankly, I, I it was a, a well-crafted film. He was pretty good and, and pretty amazing in the role. But to me, to me, the Joker needs Batman, you know, or, or you know, it, it just 
he's he's a crazy sicko guy. I, I really it's not a a lot of people who came out of that movie, you know, were like, man, I, I need to go home and take a shower because <laughs> that guy's nuts and kind of kind of, you know, just just nasty and evil and 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 just and doesn't seem to have a conscience uh, at all. And, and while that's kind of interesting and fascinating, I've always had a hard time with something that kind of real and close to home. I and mean, we have a lot of darkness in the world and you know I've always been drawn more to the heroes obviously and it, it's hard I did see it just because it was kind of like you know almost like oh I'm a comic guy I I, I kind of feel I felt like I had and I'm glad I did see it I'm not I don't regret seeing that movie but like if they ever did another one with him I don't know if I would see it I, I just um it, it's just a hard thing to watch really it truthfully is it's why I have a hard time with with certain kinds of films. The the real what I call the, you know, some of the things like the the Saw movies and you know, or strong horror, or really bad, evilly kind of evilly. Is that a word? I don't think it is. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's it's difficult for me to. I I, I definitely gravitate gravitate. I gravitate to the. I, I'm talking like a de- uh, cartoon character. To, to more the the light side that you know uh, it's fine for a, a hero hero versus bad guy kind of a movie those those I I eat up like I love the last Avengers movies and the way Marvel and all that has done things and Star Wars has obviously always been about you know good versus evil somewhat you know that's kind of sort of simplifying things but you guys get what I mean so all right I don't know why I got off on that tangent I usually typically talk at the opening about what I've been watching, but you're up to speed. Most of the stuff I'm watching is still the same. I will mention uh, one thing I did want to make sure that I mentioned. I don't think I've podcast since it started, but Superman and Lois folks, uh, guys, uh, or as my grandson Bryson says, he's always like, guys, guys, you know, when he wants to show you something or do something, he's about two and a half now. Oh, he's such a little fun, fun guy now, but, uh, or has always been, but um, but guys, guys, you guys got to watch Superman and Lois. Really, really great series so far. I mean, it's it's solid. And uh, I know it's a CW show, and there's a bunch of people out there who just write those shows off and say they're these teen angsty drama. And there's a touch of that. The basic premise of it is this is Superman uh, grown up. Uh, that's a but not a good way to put it. He is uh, he's married to Lois. They have two teenage sons, and and you know it's this is a version of Superman, the family man Superman, the father Superman that they've never really done on television before. Uh, and uh, I find it kind of refreshing. I have two sons of my own. They're they're doing it very seriously. It's not campy. It, it's uh, and I think they're really handling the kids. The, the, his sons very well so far. It's only been two episodes. The pilot first episode I really really liked a lot. The second one built on that, and uh, so you guys give it a shot if you're a fan of Superman. Uh, definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, give it a try. So uh, check that out. The um, what else? Uh, oh, and the Flash is back also on the CW, which I've always enjoyed a lot. So uh, yeah, this uh, and they announced. I think it's starting. Superman and Lois is going to take a little hiatus. I think in April it is. Um, maybe it's May. They announced the date. I put it up on the Facebook group. But sometime it's at some point, Superman and Lois is going to take a little hiatus. You know, they've been trying to film these things during COVID and everything. So there was a little, there's a little lag in their production, you know, finishing the episodes. And, oh, 
you know, in order to get them aired. So they're going to slip in Supergirl uh, for a little bit. It's going to come back for its sixth and final season uh, with Melissa Benoist. And um, and then they're going to bring back Superman and Lois for a few more episodes. I don't know exactly to know the episode counts of each. And then when that's done, Superman and Lois is done. They're going to f- finish Supergirl probably over the summer. We're also going to get the second season of Stargirl, which is a great show. Really good. Uh, really fun show. Uh, that first season, the second season is going to be coming out this summer. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, they've already, after like an episode, they've already renewed Superman and Lois for a second season. So that's that's great. Uh, so some cool stuff to see. Uh, I'm still watching, you know, Netflix shows, Warrior Nun, uh, Sabrina, and uh, other things as well. Just trying to work through um, For All Mankind. I, I think I've mentioned I started to watch that finally on Apple TV. That's great. I'm about only midway through the first season. There's two seasons out now. Of that, that the basic premise of that one again is is if Russians beat the U.S. to the moon, and and what that would how that would change things uh, for the space program. Ronald D. Moore uh, from uh, TNG days and Battlestar Galactica, of course, he is one of the executive producers and creators of the show. Uh, so that that is really good. You guys should check that out. All right, let me get a slip in Vartox segment. It's going to be about ten minutes. And then I'll come back and start the Wonder Woman thing. We'll be about halfway through the podcast at that point. So Wonder Woman, we'll probably do 30, 40 minutes on Wonder Woman after our talks a music segment. And I will be back in uh, in a few after that. And we'll get into t- talking about um, the Amazon princess, uh, Wonder Woman. Hello everyone, this is Vartok with another Treks in Sci-Fi Music Moment. One soundtrack and a few words. We thought we were alone. We believed the universe was ours. Until one night in 2063, on an Earth colony 16 light years away, they struck. Now we are at war. We fight when called, in space, on land, and at sea. To lose this war means more than defeat. To surrender is to never go home. All of us must rise to the call, above and beyond. And so, Lieutenant Colonel Tyrus Cassius, a.k.a. T.C. McQueen, provided the preamble, which I simulated, for the Fox science fiction television show Space Above and Beyond, which aired for a single season from 1995 to 1996. Originally planned for five seasons, it only ran the one season due to its low ratings, and yet was nominated for two Emmy Awards, one Saturn Award, and was named by IGN Entertainment as number 50 on its top 50 sci-fi TV shows. The series was created, written, and produced by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who had previously produced one of Vartok's favorite TV shows, The X-Files. Set in the years 2063 to 2064, the show focuses on the Wild Cards, members of the United States Marine Corps Space Aviator Cavalry, 58th Squadron. The 58th are stationed on the United States Navy space carrier USS Saratoga and act as infantry and pilots of SA-43 attack jet fighters. The show starred, among others, Morgan Weiser, 
as First Lieutenant Nathan West, Kristen Cloak as Captain Shane Vanson, Rodney Rowland as First Lieutenant Cooper Hawks, an in vitro, and James Morrison as Lieutenant Colonel Tyrus Cassius T.C. McQueen. In the years leading up to 2063, humanity has begun to colonize other planets. Lacking technology that would enable them to travel faster than light using FTL technology, colonization is accomplished by taking advantage of transient but predictable naturally occurring wormholes in space, which allows them to traverse vast distances. Without warning, a previously unknown alien species, the Chigs, attack and destroy Earth's first extrasolar colony, and then destroy a second colony ship. And now back to the music. For today's music moment, I'm going to talk about the main title theme to Space Above and Beyond, composed by Shirley Walker, an American film and television composer, orchestrator, and conductor. At the time, she was one of the few female film score composers working in Hollywood. Walker was one of the first female composers to earn a solo score credit on a major Hollywood motion picture and will be remembered as a pioneer for women in the film industry. She wrote her film scores entirely by hand, and always orchestrated and conducted her own scores by herself. Shirley Ann Rogers was born in Napa, California on April 10, 1945. She was a piano soloist with the San Francisco Symphony during high school, and later attended San Francisco State University on a piano scholarship. Her career in film began in 1979, when she was hired to play the synthesizers for Carmine Coppola's score for Apocalypse Now, which was directed by Carmine's son, Francis Coppola. In 1992, Walker became one of the first female composers to earn a solo score credit on a major Hollywood motion picture for John Carpenter's Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which was one of Carpenter's few movies he did not score himself. Shirley Walker served as a composer for numerous productions, including films such as Willard, the first three Final Destination movies, and television series such as Falcon Crest, Space Above and Beyond, China Beach, and the 1990-1991 season of The Flash. The Flash was one of many collaborations Walker did with composer Danny Elfman. She was his conductor on projects such as Scrooged and Batman. Her association with DC Comics extended to television, where she served as composer for Batman, the animated series, 1992-1995, Superman, the animated series, from 1996-2000, The New Batman Adventures, 1997-1999, and Batman Beyond, from 1999-2001. Walker worked with Elfman on many DC Comics work, but she also worked with composers Hans Zimmer. Basil Paladoris, Brad Fidel, Alan Howarth, and others. Shirley Walker died at age 61 on November 30, 2006, due to complications from a stroke. At the time of her death, Walker has scored more major studio motion pictures than any other American woman. A memorial service was held at the Warner Brothers Eastman Scoring Stage, and a plaque was placed there in her honor. The ASCAP Shirley Walker Award was created in her honor in 2014. For Space Above and Beyond, Wong and Morgan were looking for a more traditional musical approach 
than the synthesizer scoring favored on the X-Files. Wong and Morgan were initially unconvinced on hearing Walker's synth demos until it was explained that her musical ideas would be filled out by the orchestra. Wong went on to describe the scoring session as his favorite part of filmmaking. Walker scored the pilot and the entire series, receiving an Emmy nomination for the episode The River of Stars, and reunited with Wong and Morgan on many of their later projects. Let's hear Shirley talk about the various parts that make up the main theme in this track titled Shirley Demos the Main Theme. Space above and beyond main title theme components are the herald in the brass, which is this first majestic sounding part. Another component is the cadence figure in the brass and percussion. And then last but not least, we have the melody arcs uh, that are in the brass. whole thing's put together, it goes something like this. La La Land Records issued a three-disc limited edition CD set featuring Walker's score for the pilot and music from most of the episode. Unfortunately, it is currently out of print. Well, I hope you enjoyed this music and sci-fi music moment. And now back to you, Rico. Oh, and here is the space above and beyond main theme. All 36 seconds of it. All right, thanks, Vartok, for that great to music segment, uh, Space Above and Beyond. You know, that was a show that never really grabbed me very well or very much. I don't know why it should, but it's sort of a strange one out there. 
but I uh, appreciate your uh, your music uh, segment and uh, I uh, always enjoy uh, just you know music for for things. I was mentioning that um, Enola Holmes movie earlier in the beginning of the show, but uh, I, I've always loved music from television films. Have a ton of soundtracks. I probably actually have more TV and movie music soundtrack type stuff than I have like other music in my in my CD and, and music collection. Records. I've got some records still, but yeah. So good stuff. Thanks. All right, let's get on to talking about the Amazon Princess, Wonder Woman, uh, Diana, whatever. You know, lots of different uh, names in a way. Princess Diana of Thermoscara. I can't talk like Gal. Gadot, uh, but uh, uh, which is, uh, you know, it was funny when she started playing Wonder Woman. I thought, I don't know how her voice and her accent is going to work for this character, but it really does. It really does. I mean, she sounds like she's obviously not from around here, as they say, you know, uh, and uh, and given the fact that that Wonder Woman with, with her, you know, when you look at her outfit, you know, and her costume has obviously changed a lot over the years, but She's basically the female Superman, essentially, right? And and a very American kind of hero. She has uh, red, white, and blue in her outfit. So it's, you know, the fact that she's from, uh, you know, this exotic outside place of Themyscira, you know, is has always been interesting to me. Even though she's very, very uh, kind of rooted in, in America and American culture, uh, American history, uh, you know, and, and so forth. I mean, she, her fir- first appearance was, was rated, um, you know, early, I think it was like early part of World War II, right? Uh, let's see here. I've got the Wikipedia page open. Um, she, let's see, first appearance was in All-Star Comics number eight, which was released on October uh, 1941, Okay. So, so just just at the start about of World War II for at least the U.S. approximately, and you know, like Captain America, even Superman to a degree. Um, a lot of comic book characters when it was wartime, you know, they're they're some of their comic book exploits, you know, involved, you know, fighting and helping for the U.S. I mean, it's kind of unless you put them in a bubble, you know, if you got a character like Wonder Woman around or Superman. Kind of like what happens in that first Wonder Woman film, you know, from what four years ago now. Uh, that how can they not get involved, right? In, unless they play some kind of weird game of well, in the comic book world, the war is not going on, right, or something like that. So, so they have to get involved. And um, I just ran through, finally read this thing called Injustice um, by DC, which which is essentially about Superman thing, uh, something happening in Superman, basically deciding to take control of the world, you know, like I'm going to stop all wars. I'm going to stop, get rid of weapons and do all this kind of stuff. And this has been done in a few things. I'm kind of segueing or spinning off into tangents before I get back to Wonder Woman. But the, the my point is, is the idea of somebody of a Wonder Woman level power level or character or a Superman, they could basically do something like that if they decided to rather than beat up you know bad guys in an alleyway or something you know they're that's the i mean even though i love dc comics i love marvel comics dc has always been about these sort of a lot of their characters not all they have some 
you know, down in the, you know, ground level, like a, you know, character like Green Arrow, for example, you know, that's just a guy who's really good with a, with a bow, you know, he's not a super, you know, he doesn't have mutant powers. He's not, you know, invulnerable. He, he can't fly, you know, he, he doesn't have super speed or super strength or any of that kind of stuff. And, um, same kind of thing of, you know, DC's Batman, although Batman has become this, <laughs> some people will, are annoyed by this. I don't know. I love Batman, so I'm not, but it, Batman has become, even though he's just a guy with, as, as he says in the Justice League movie, he, what's his superpower? He has money. He's rich, uh, you know, but it's obviously more than that. I mean, he's, he's the world's greatest detective. He's trained his mind and body for years and years to be able to do what he does. So, um, you know, people have always said he, he's, he's the epitome, you know, Olympic level and beyond athlete level. So he's not your average guy, but he doesn't have, he can't do what Superman or Wonder Woman. So bringing, trying to bring this back, the, uh, the idea that these characters could do all that they could do and not get involved in big things like war is, is, is interesting. So let's go back a little. Now I mentioned earlier, Anomaly did a great show and it was right around when the first Wonder Woman came out. They did it back in June of 2017 uh, that they put that out. It's over at anomalypodcast.com. And so you can hear Jen and Angela talk about that. And Jen did a good job of, of giving you guys during that show a, um, a rundown on the history of Wonder Woman. You know, she was created by this guy, this American psychologist, William Moulton Marston, um, and an artist guy named Harry Peter. Uh, Marston's wife, Elizabeth, and their life partner, Olivia Byrne, they're also credited as being sort of an inspiration for the character's look and appearance. Now, Marston, he's kind of an oddball, really. He's a psychologist. He not only was um, a proponent of women's rights and things, but he also was kind of into some weird stuff, uh, too, you know, things like bondage and, and that. And that's why in some of the early comics, you'll see Wonder Woman in Chains a lot. But what you you got to look a little bit beyond and under the surface of that his his point of that sort of was and the point was that women were 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 being subjugated in a, in a way right that that it wasn't like he thought women should be subjugated and tied up and in chains and do what the men told them to do and anything like that no he was it was a commentary essentially on women are are you know and even today, I mean, this is, uh, I, I think it's a Women's History Month or something like that, uh, this this month in March, uh, where, you know, this emphasis on women and what they've done throughout history and, and, you know, that they're equivalent to men in terms of, you know, what they should be paid for work and, you know, everything that the modern world still <laughs> seems to be somehow still struggling with, which I don't understand. You know, there's a lot of things I don't understand in the year 2021. It's like, are we not past all this yet? Uh, but, but anyway, the point is, is that Wonder Woman is, you know, between the way she, you know, this character and the way she was first depicted a bit, people can sometimes kind of get a weird wrong idea. But, you know, it was sort of, a, again, a commentary on women and women's rights and women's rights movements uh, and, and, and trying to show that, you know, they could do everything, you know, men could do in that. And, and, and anytime, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman have gone toe to toe, you know, she, she's certainly his equivalent, you know, she's basically, uh, the, 
the um the history behind her is she she wasn't really like she's not like she's she's the daughter of hippolyta but she was sculpted from clay given life by zeus and she's this amazon with superpowers she's she's stronger and and more um godlike than than the other amazons the other amazons are not really you know at her power level we'll call it she is well above and beyond them she obviously has things like these bracelets her lasso of truth a lot of things like that 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 you know the other amazons don't and she's also the biggest thing really truthfully is she's the amazon that went out into men's man's world and you know these amazons have pulled away from that and there are no men there on the on the island which was always a little bit interesting to me and it's it's funny you know there's sometimes in the modern age with everything tv movies comics books there's this idea to retro retcon and, and change the you know what how things have been represented in the past and i'm not really a big fan of that i'm fine with them doing a new version right or something a side thing but i i, I don't i'm not a fan or i don't really like when they try to let's erase what has happened I, you know or change it no no that is what you know the way it was and the way it was you know the way she was first created, she came from this island of women and so on and, you know, all this stuff. But all right, that's probably more of a side point than, than anything else. So, so, okay, let me, let's go on here a little bit. So she's obviously appeared in comic books for, for ages, for, you know, golden age, silver age, bronze age, and so forth, modern age of comics. I've actually, uh, a comic book comment here. I've read Wonder Woman comics sporadically over the time I've read comics. She was never a big like draw for me as as a character. Even Superman to a degree. I think both of those characters are really hard to do in comics truthfully. Superman they've done a I think in recent years they've tried some new things. Some things have succeeded, some things haven't. Um but he's also very difficult to do in comics and just because they're basically you know, gods, essentially, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's very hard to create a villain for these, for these, or, or adversary or anything for these characters. So very, very hard to do. Uh, But, um, but I think that they've had some success. So I haven't really been, I'm not a a huge Wonder Woman uh, comic book reader. I've, again, I've stepped into it now and then I've read, Probably the longest I was reading was when the Rebirth comics came out. How long has that been now? Maybe seven, eight years, ten, maybe not ten. No, not ten. Um, for DC, and then some of the recent stuff I've read, they've they've had a couple of good runs, but um, and then over the time I've and I've also read Justice League. She's usually in Justice League, so the the character shows up in a lot of other books as well. Kind of super, kind of like Superman does, Batman does. You know, there's crossover stuff so so it's not someone that that i've um followed super closely like i've read batman for example for a very long time uh i've probably read more even more green lantern and green arrow comics even than possibly wonder woman uh but that's just you know for whatever reason she's just a i think it's a tricky character to do and it's also a character that they seem to want to change 
each time they redo it. Like I, I'll, I'll like a certain run of what they do in the comics and then they get a new creative team come in and they, they kind of like, okay, well now we're doing our thing and, and modern comics. I've read them for a very long time since late high school, college and modern comics have this tendency. That's it's somewhat irritating to old school comic book fans like me, where they want them every six months to a year, they kind of mix things up and go, okay, well, now we're going to do a new creative team and do a new kind of angle on this and a story and then, you know, starting off fresh again. And a lot of that has always been thought of that they do that because they're trying to bring in new readers. There's always been this idea that, uh, you know, if somebody goes into a comic shop, for example, uh, and this is going to come back to Wonder Woman. Well, it's, it's related. But if com- somebody goes into a comic shop and they see Wonder Woman, you know, 700 and issue number 713 right for example just say that that's really for for new readers it's going to put them off right possibly they're going to be like ah i don't know anything about wonder woman uh how can i jump in on this now you've got to keep also in mind if you're not familiar how with how comics have worked over the years even when they were doing and never renumbering and creating a new number one every month or two or six months um the storylines did not stay stagnant or constant. Like, in other words, yeah, they would do a run of comics. Like, okay, let's say Wonder Woman 710 through 715 is a certain storyline, right? And then at 716, it would be a new story. You know, she'd kind of wrap up whatever that was that was going on, and then there'd be a new one. So even though there were the, the numbering was always constant and, and going on, new storylines would go. I would say the creative team take they tended to stay longer on a book unless it was really struggling. Uh, and then they would shift things around maybe more often, but, um, but they, even then, you know, these, th- these books were not, um, they were not one on, you know, ongoing thing. There were some things that were ongoing, but the, um, but I still think that they thought that, well, this will be, you know, this would be a way for them to bring, you know, new readers in, now, when I first started to read comics, that's the way things were done. It was constant numbering. And, you know, I think I started around issue, I don't know, 200 or so of Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know when I started to read Batman. I think he was up into like 400s or something, issue 400 or whatever. So, I mean, it didn't bother me that much. I mean, only really for the first few issues after a little bit you kind of knew the character and you knew what was going on. And if I didn't really understand something that was going on or the you want a new when a like say some adversary came back into the picture, it didn't really matter. So I guess this is turning into more of kind of a Wonder Woman slash comic book podcast than just Wonder Woman. But I'm gonna get to her appearances in TV and and film here shortly, talk a little bit about those things. But um I wanted to give you guys a little bit of, of background. So let's, uh, I think we could probably shift over into that area. Um, there, my probably first memory and experience with, with uh, Wonder Woman in, in television, well, there was, uh, there was an old DC uh, superhero cartoon. Uh, what was it called? It was the Justice League cartoon? I don't mean the more modern one. Um, but, um, but there were some animated Saturday morning shows, you know, that were on that I, that I had watched, uh, for different things. That's when, you know, back when the old Spider-Man cartoon was on and other stuff. 
but but the first really TV um, appearance live action thing that I saw is was back in the 70s. There was a movie with um, Kathy Lee Crosby as Wonder Woman, and probably a lot of people listening are aware of this film. You may have seen it, maybe not saw it. You could be too young to have seen it, although I'm probably sure it's probably available on video somewhere, I would think, DVD or something. But, um, you know, everyone knows, and I'll talk about that more in a moment, but everybody knows the TV Wonder Woman is, of course, Linda Carter, right? Three seasons, I think, in total just came out with not that long ago. They did a Blu-ray release of all the all the episodes from her TV series, Linda Carter. But the interesting thing about that, and and I'll try to look this up here in a moment, um, is they had done this sort of pilot movie thing with Kathy Lee Crosby, uh, a blonde actress, didn't really look like the traditional Wonder Woman as much. Um, certainly didn't look like when Linda Carter, appearance-wise. Uh, but they did this TV movie with Kathy Lee Crosby playing the character. And I think it was successful enough. And and maybe there's a particular reason that they recast. And when they went to the series, there was, I think, a couple of year gap there, maybe a year and a half or so between that movie and the Linda Carter, Lin- Linda Carter, excuse me, Wonder Woman TV show. But um, I'll try to look up. I'm going to play for you here in a moment the... Um, the credits to uh, the Linda Carter series, which was always fun to me to listen to. I love the uh, I love the Wonder Woman show and, and the opening credits. And the, the thing about that Wonder Woman mid 70s TV show that was kind of always fun and, and still is a little bit is even back then it was pretty campy and pretty hokey. It was somewhat like the old 60s Batman show. Right. It, and so I think in a way that makes it almost a little bit um, in a way more watchable even now. It doesn't because it's sort of a goofy thing. It's not it didn't take itself too seriously. You know, the episodes were fairly, you know, serious. It wasn't like they were cracking jokes every five minutes or anything like that. But um, and they didn't do that sort of deadpan Adam West kind of stuff that he did on Batman. But but you'll you guys know what I mean, I think. But let me play here. Let's play some of the opening credits to Wonder Woman, the TV show with Linda Carter from the 70s. I'll come back, talk a little bit about that series and uh, and more as we work our way through more of Wonder Woman uh, in TV and movies. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. All the world is waiting for you and the power you possess. In your satin tights, fighting for your rights, and the old red, white, and blue. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. Now the world is ready for you, and the wonders you can do. Make a hawking dove, stop a war with love. Change their minds and change the world. 
Yeah, so there you go with the uh, Wonder Woman uh, opening credits. I think that's uh, or season one version. It's a little different in the other seasons. I think I got to dial up my uh, volume here a little bit. All right, so that you know that's the theme for the Linda Carter series I mentioned earlier. Oh, I think I went way too high now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let's dial the volume. Yes, I am a podcast professional. Um, but um, so I mentioned this Kathy Lee Crosby film while I was playing the credits. I was reading up a bit. I have seen this movie ages ago. I haven't watched it recently. The Wonder Woman 74 film with Kathy Lee Crosby. One of the things that I had forgotten is they sort of had changed her origin and they, they, they tried to sort of modernize her in, in a way. She was sort of a government agent. She, she didn't have really the superpowers kind of aspect. Um, they, they, they changed a lot, truthfully, from her comic book origins and all. Um, and I think that put off a lot of people, possibly. Uh, who knows what the reasons behind all these things were. Um, and then the, the story that I'm reading here on Wikipedia, at least, or the, they're, they're saying that um, Crosby claims that she was offered the series that, that eventually went to Linda Carter, um, which I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I guess, I guess I don't have to have any reason to disbelieve that maybe, but um, the TV series here, I'm trying to see if there's anything in the other for the show with uh, Linda Carter. Is there anything about the casting a little bit or, or how they ended up with Linda in the role. Uh, but um, when they went to the show, when they went to the show that lasted three seasons with Linda Carter, they went very much back to the original origins. It's, it, it starts out in World War II. Um, uh, Lyle Wagner uh, plays Major Steve Trevor. Uh, like Chris Pine in the movies, he, he ends up on the island with the Amazons. She ends up going back with him to, to, um, to the rest of the world, to help the world. And so that the, um, you know, that's, they brought her much more back to the Amazon, um, you know, princess thing. She had an invisible plane. She had her lasso of truth. She had the traditional Wonder Woman kind of costume. Uh, and uh, she had power. She was strong. She could deflect bullets with her bracelets. Uh, and, you know, she... She couldn't. The only thing she really couldn't do in the show, and I'm sure it was just a budgetary thing, but they gave her an invisible plane, was that you know Wonder Woman can fly. And um, spoiler alert for the most recent Wonder Woman movie, you know they bring that 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 comes into play in the um, the most recent Wonder Woman film. But Wonder Woman has, uh, you know, she has this ability to fly. There's different. I'm not going to get into like how she does it so much. They kind of had, I thought, an interesting idea or explanation about that in the in the recent movie, which I kind of I enjoyed that part actually. Um, but she's she's kind of godlike and she's she has these abilities. So I I'm one of those people. I don't need everything like that in this kind of a comic book realm, super completely explained to me. She's not a normal person, so it's different when it's like a Batman or or. A, like I was saying earlier about a character that's <clears throat> the, it doesn't have any special abilities. You kind of have to ex somewhat explain, well, how can they do that? You know, or oh, they're a mutant. Like we just finished up WandaVision, which I really enjoyed, by the way, and I enjoyed the finale. Uh, a lot of people it seems, you know, a lot of people online, you know, how online is, had all these weird ideas about what was going on and probably didn't quite work out that way. But I'm like, if that bothers you, I mean, you know, it's okay to have ideas of what's going on, but if, 
if that's not what they do, I don't know. Except for Last Jedi. That just stunk. But, uh, you know, or not stunk, but just Luke wouldn't go off to an island. You're just wrong. You're just wrong in doing that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know why I jumped off onto that. But uh, so the the TV show, three seasons. It uh, was originally airing on, a, uh, I almost said ABC. I don't know why. Uh, oh, I did know why. I do know why. Yeah, f- this is weird. They, um, the first season, the pilot uh, in the, they did a new pilot with Linda Carter. Um, and the first season was on ABC. And, and the second two seasons were on CBS. Huh, I can't, I didn't ever remember that part of it. So they did a total of um, 59 episodes plus the original or the second pilot, let's call it. Um, and uh, with Linda Carter, who is forever now known as, you know, Wonder Woman, I thought this was a great, fun show. Lot, lots of just goofy fun. It's very, very 70s kind of a show, like the old Buck Rogers TV show. You know, somewhat, somewhat campy. Um, considering the powers that she has, she most of the troubles and crimes and things that she helps with and solves are not really all that. Like, you know, they're not like the level of what she's had to do with in the most recent movies. So, it's um, it's a little different. This is much more obviously TV level, nineteen seventies, especially TV level. Um, but um, but yeah. It's great. Linda Carter is amazing. She's, you know, lovely, you know, uh, in the in the role. You know, she looks perfect for the part, I think, you know, at least in that age. You know, it, it, now we have this very lean Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot, and, and that's great, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, uh, hey, as they say in Star Trek, edict, right? Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. All these things are fine. Um, but... Um, but I enjoyed this show back in the day. I haven't really watched much. I did pick up the Blu-ray set. I do want to watch a few episodes on Blu-ray and and see how it improves. I've seen some clips up on YouTube for um, the Blu-ray version. So you can get the whole set, I think, on for like 40 or 50 off Amazon. <clears throat> and it looks like that old Kathy Lee Crosby movie is also available or was available on a DVD, uh, at least. And I don't know if it's still out there and in print, but... Um, it's worth a look uh, if you're interested. All right, let's talk briefly. I'm not going to list them all. I've done a separate, I think, podcast about this before, but I did want to point out DC for years now, for, for quite a few years, has a whole animated series of films out there. They've done probably two, maybe three with Wonder Woman, and then she's also appeared, obviously, in a lot of other DC animated films uh, you know, as part of the Justice League and, and shows up. So they're really good. I, I, I urge you to seek those out. Uh, I believe, I don't know about all of them, but a lot of them are on um, HBO Max. Uh, so they they used to have DC Universe, right? They had this DC Universe streaming service. And it lasted a couple of years. That's where the show Teen Titans was, was the live action Teen Titans is on there or just Titans, they call it, because most of them are, aren't teens. <laughs> uh, but um, and that's that's where they've done uh, the Harley Quinn animated series, which is a blast to watch. Uh, very adult, adult language. So keep that in mind. Uh, but um, but anyway, um, and others, they've got other series, but all that stuff shifted over to 
shifted over to uh, from DC Universe, which is has sort of streamed uh, streamlined. <laughs> I was going to say streamed down, but they've they've eliminated some things. They still have comic books, kind of like the Marvel app has comics, uh, but the 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 uh, media in terms of shows and stuff and movies that's all gone. I think pretty much over to HBO Max. Okay. So if you've got HBO, you can you can see some of these animated films there. I, I urge you to seek those out. They're really well done. Um, I've always said, and I think I said when I did that show about the movies, the, the animated DC films, I said DC does great animated films, and I think their CW shows are really good. They just, the, the movies they've done in the, for the big screen, the theaters, have been kind of lacking, frank, frankly. I mean, I think they've all had their moments. They've all had some interesting things. I wasn't really a big fan of Man of Steel uh, or um, uh, Batman versus Superman uh, and Justice League. They're all kind of middle of the road for me. Uh, but um, Or Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, I don't know, was kind of goofy fun. Uh, but the... Um, and then that last Harley Quinn movie. Ugh. You know, that's that's my that's my one word review. Ugh. <laughs> But um, but the animated stuff is really good, and it's very, very much like the comics. They they put a lot into them. Uh, the stories are well done. The voice acting is usually really good. Some I'm not going to go like I said into great detail, but I, I I urge you to try something. They've um they've really got some good ones. I think the the Wonder Woman ones are pretty good that I've seen, and I've well I think I've seen them all. I think they've got a total of. I think they're pushing like maybe about 30 of these now total, you know, it involves there's Batman ones, a lot of Batman ones, there's Justice League, there's Green Lantern, there's Wonder Woman. Um, there's some of the magic user type characters in, in you know, in a, in a couple of them. Uh, it, it's it's a good, good range of uh, good range of stuff that they've done in the animated films and they're still doing them. Uh, they are. There was a recent Batman one that they did, which was sort of a throwback 70s kind of mashup of a little bit of like kung fu with batman that's hard to say <laughs> I, I that's that's the best i can say uh what's it what was that one called son of the dragon blood of the dragon something like that the titles sometimes elude me but uh ch- check those out when you can all right let us um i've got basically two more little areas to talk about for wonder woman i think we're almost in an hour now uh, so I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick. I'm not actually going to talk about the, the Gal Gadot movies a whole lot. I'll play probably one of the trailers or two. But I did want to bring you bring um, uh, bring out one little thing that a lot of people might know of, which was this um, other television series they were going to do uh, with Adrian Pilecki. Is that how you say her name? Who's now on The Orville. Uh, she did a pilot movie uh, for Wonder Woman uh, that... I don't know if it's on YouTube. There's places you can find it and see it. I don't know if it's officially out there anywhere, like on HBO or anything like that. I think they kind of tried to hide it. I've seen it. I don't think it's terrible. It's it's sort of different. It's a little weird. She has a weird outfit for one thing. They they were really playing around with what what to dress her in. You know, I always think like you know, Wonder Woman has had a fairly standard costume in in the comics. Don't mess with you know, kind of like that, really that much. And even the Gal Gadot outfit, you know, version, that's sort of been somewhat seen in the comics, but I think that's a good, uh, a good, um, I don't, I was almost going to say compromise, but I don't, that's probably not the best way to put it. But so anyway, uh, I'm trying to remember when that Adrian Pilecki movie first appeared or when that was done. 
think it's been maybe about 10 years even. She must have been pretty young then. What is she in her 30s, mid-30s? So maybe she was the early 20s then. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's different is what I'll say. So check that out if you don't know about it. But they were trying, they were potentially going to, I don't think the pilot actually, that pilot ever showed up officially. Like it was never shown on a network. Um, they made the pilot and it just kind of got buried. But it was a pilot p- potentially for uh, doing a new Wonder Woman series. Um, with all the comic book frenzy of movies and everything, it's not surprising that they would think about doing that. Um, but um, but yeah, check that out. You know, Marvel's had its TV stuff, and now they're over on uh, Disney Plus with WandaVision. And, and in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll have Falcon and Winter Soldier to watch, uh, which is I think only six episodes. WandaVision was like nine, uh, but um, so these comic book things that have gone from like TV to movies, and now back to TV, but also still in the movies, keeps bouncing around. All right, uh, let's try to wrap this up. And I know I've kind of talked in in um, I bounced around a bit. That's the way my I've I've said this before on the podcast. It's the way my mind works when I talk about subjects that I I'm kind of passionate about and like, but also it's just I always find my brain kind of finds connections, or I have a hard time just saying like, okay, you know, explaining something without bringing other stuff in. Does that make sense? I think you guys understand. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know how I talk and what I say. But all right, so Gal Gadot, we have two Wonder Woman movies out, right? The the June, I think it was out June 2017, the first one. I think everyone really, really liked that movie for the most part. It did very well at the box office. I think Gal Gadot was a little bit of a, with some of the fans. And I was, I'll admit, I'd only seen her like in things like Fast and the Furious and she doesn't have a huge amount to do in those. I was kind of like, mm, Wonder Woman for her, really? You know, I'll admit I was a little skeptical. Uh, I was willing to give it a try, which is I, which I always am. And I was hugely impressed. I, I think that first movie is, is amazing. I think it's great. I think she has the she has the essence of the character, the goodness, the wanting to do the right thing. Uh, she, she looks like she can handle the physical aspects of it. it. You never get this idea, even though she's very, uh, very, um, trim, I'll just say. And, and, you know, she doesn't look like she's a bodybuilder by any means. I mean, they, there was talk at the time that they would end up with like some more, much more muscular type of a Wonder Woman. And I don't think that'd be a good idea. It's the same thing with Superman, truthfully. I mean, Henry Cavill is great as Superman and Superman should look somewhat muscular and somewhat imposing, but he shouldn't look overbuilt. You know, if you if you look at any modern, some of these bodybuilders that are just, I mean, they have muscles on top of muscles. Superman shouldn't look like that. Wonder Woman shouldn't look like that. They're, you know, Wonder Woman's essentially half God. Um, Superman's from another planet. So they don't really need to, but, but they also need to look capable kind of 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 what they're doing somewhat it's hard to explain but I think you guys understand so I think she does that very well even though she's this very trim you know you know it's not like you see her muscles bulging when she's you know pushing a a truck away or doing something you know heroic like that but she's great in the role I mean she's super super good and I, I I really like you know her playing that part now the most recent one Wonder Woman 1984 yeah, should I play a trailer? Let's play a trailer. What the heck? Let's play a trailer for that. 
And then I've already talked about it once, but I'll come back. I'll talk about it a little bit. We'll wrap up um, the podcast. My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Welcome to the future. Life is good, but it can be better. And why shouldn't it be? All you need is to want it. Think about finally having everything you always wanted. I can save today. But you can save the world. take what I want in return. Everyone will see. The world needs you. You know what you need to do. Nothing good is born from lies. And greatness is not what you think. That's just a trash can. It's just a trash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good uh, good trailer. So Wonder Woman uh, 1984, this movie, of course, uh, uh, was out um, on HBO Max near the end of the year. It came out on uh, what, Christmas, right? They released it on Christmas for a month, roughly on uh, HBO Max. I watched it like many, many people did. I enjoyed it. I think I've probably commented about it i know i did before there were a lot of people online that that really really did not like this that that tore it up i'll admit that it has it's certainly a lot different than the first wonder woman movie with gal uh gadot you know playing the character it's a lot different it's a big shift and there are some plot points in it that are are frankly a little bit odd and a little weak but i do think it has some strong points i think of course gal gadot as wonder woman is is great still I think I think it's fun to see a movie set in the '80s, uh, and and it sort of takes a little bit of the the goofiness of that era. I, I think uh, Chris Pine being back as Steve Trevor that had a bit of controversy with what happens. I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen this, but some things happen, and uh, there's some explanations and things out there uh, for that, which which I'm I'm pretty okay with, truthfully. Um, Kristen Wiig as as Cheetah Barbara Minerva, um, I think that was a weakness. I, I I think I don't think that that was developed well enough. Uh, uh, 
to explain really what happens in the movie. Um, Pedro Pascal as Max Lord, I also think was a little bit of a weakness. Uh, I think that, but I do love Pedro Pascal. I mean, not only that he is in the Mandalorian, but I've watched a few other things that he's done. He just always, you know, when he was in Game of Thrones, of course, the guy just looks like he's having a good time. He's kind of like Nathan Fillion to me a little bit, like where, you know, this guy, he, he's a good actor. He, he, you know, he he has that certain kind of star quality, but he also just looks like he's having fun. And I and I and and because when it's why I watch Nathan Fillion pretty much in anything, you know, because when you watch someone and they seem like they're really enjoying themselves, I've always thought that that William Shatner is like that, too. You know, they, they, they always, you know, if, if they're enjoying themselves, you're going to enjoy watching them. You know, you know what I mean? I, I, I've never really, I guess, maybe really hit on this or said it much on the podcast. But there are actors out there that that give you that kind of feeling that they're really, really enjoying and loving what they do. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is another one, right? I mean, you know, when he's playing Tony Stark, especially, you know, that guy just looks like he's having a ball. And, and he's fun to watch. And, and I think that it, it it's not really like that they're, a, I mean, I think he's a good actor, a solid actor, but it just makes it, to me, much more uh, fun and, and, and enjoyable and identifiable. Seems like a regular guy, kind of somewhat, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and Pedro Pascal, maybe I'm going to need to create a Rico list of um, fun actors to watch but i but i think and and i think gal gadot is actually like that too even though it's not quite exactly the same but um but i think um i think that's the case um you know grant gustin uh, who plays the flash i think also is is like that uh you know just something about these people that that makes you want to watch them i guess that it factor maybe i'm talking about so anyway back to wonder woman 1984 and i'll wrap this up here in a moment yeah i enjoyed the movie it was fun it it, it certainly was i've always tried very hard not to compare one thing over another um i think that they there are some things they could have tightened up here I i think maybe if there's an extended cut of this movie ever i think that could help a lot I do think there were things they overlooked that, that that could have been done better. I did like the idea of this, the 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 MacGuffin, we'll call it, of the movie. I'm not going to say too much, but I, I did like what the overall plot was being driven by. You know, the this little stone thing. I won't say too much, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, so I liked it. And they're going to do another one, uh, you know, with the same basically team. Um, there's also this, uh, this talk of they're going to do a, supposedly they're going to do some kind of a spinoff movie focusing on the Amazons and Themyscira. Um, not a lot of detail about that yet. So, um, and I just saw the other day for those that, that haven't heard, I don't know how much of an effect this has. I don't know when they would be filming another Wonder Woman movie, but Gal Gadot is having another baby. I don't know when she's due, probably late this year or something, but, um, I would probably estimate, you know, completely rough ideas that she'll have the baby, you know, like it'll be, they'll be filming this movie like sometime in 2022. And then, um, uh, the, um, I, I just got some kind of weird windows alert. So it made a sound. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that distracted me for a second. Sorry. Um, so I'm guessing we're probably at least 2023, maybe for another Wonder Woman movie, maybe something like that. Um, 
But um, also, last thing I want to say about Wonder Woman 84 is they're having a digital HD release uh, just this week, Tuesday this week. And DVD, Blu-ray, Ultra HD, Blu-ray, all that stuff is, uh, the physical media stuff is all being released on the 23rd of, of this month. So uh, if you want to own it, if you want to rent it, if you want to do whatever, you've got time. By the way, the, oh, one other thing too, it looks like the movie did, um, well, it was about a $200 million budget. It made roughly $160 million at actually movie theaters where people actually were going to, to the movies to see this. Uh, I did not see it in the theater. I just watched it at home. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think it was okay. All right, let us finish this up. So, hey, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I did enjoy it. I, I, I've been wanting to co- kind of cover another character kind of profile and both how they appeared in the comics, movies, TV, and so forth. It's super quick. I mean, in an hour, a little less than an hour, uh, to go over a character like Wonder Woman, it would be like, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Um, but it is fun. Uh, she's a great character. Check out, um, you know, check out some of these things that I might have mentioned that you haven't seen. Maybe some animated movies. Maybe that, you know, hunt for that old, old 74 Wonder Woman pilot thing with Kathy Crosby or that Adrian Pilecki uh, movie out there. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. All right, folks, uh, that's going to do it for me for this week. Next week, like I said earlier, we're going to do a Skype group cast with the Patreon folks. If you're a Patreon supporter for Trex and Sci-Fi, you can join that. And we try to do those every two, three times a year. Maybe not every quarter, but, uh, but at least uh, a few times a year. And so that's about it. Everyone stay safe. Uh, sign up to get vaccinated, you know, and uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Go Dusty Podcast Production.